Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you again. And if you missed yesterday's very special edition episode with Farhan Lalji, please go back and check that one out as we reviewed the season up to date, as well as we discussed in detail the events coming out of Edmonton. We have a very special guest joining us today, Stan Peters' big linebacker, Micah Owie. But first, let's get to some news. The Edmonton Elks have given head coach and general manager Chris Jones a vote of confidence following the departure of President and CEO Victor Kui, as Tom Richards, the chair of the team's board of directors, described his job security as solid. The Elks cleaned house following the 2021 season when they fired President Chris Preston, general manager Brock Sunderland, and head coach Jamie Elizondo, which has since hampered the team's ability to hire coaches and personnel staff under the CFL's operations cap. Richards didn't deny that the financial constraints caused by the cap could be a factor in the team's decision to keep Jones, though he remains a prominent part of the rule. Winnipeg Blue Bombers quarterback Zach Kalaros did not dress for practice on Monday or Tuesday following an injury he sustained against the Edmonton Elks this past week. According to the team's injury report, he is dealing with a neck injury. The 34-year-old was injured on a hit from defensive lineman Coney Ely. The injury occurred when Kalaros evaded pressure and was struck in the head on his way to the turf after releasing the ball. The play did not draw a penalty for roughing the passer, and the ruling on the field was upheld following a challenge by Blue Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea. Kalaros received attention from the trainers before leaving the field under his own power. He jogged to the locker room and, a- and accompanied by a trainer moments later and watched the second half from the sidelines of- in street clothes. The CFL's two-time reigning most outstanding player has completed 69.2% of his passes for 2,268 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions this season, leading the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. The Saskatchewan Roughriders have acquired American quarterback Antonio Pipkin in a trade with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. In exchange, the Riders have sent global punter Kair Vedvik to Hamilton. Pipkin signed with Hamilton Tiger Cats in July of 2023, dressing for two games. He comes to the green and white with five seasons of CFL experience, previously spending time with the Montreal Alouettes, Toronto Argonauts, Edmonton Elks, and BC Lions. Pipkin most recently played in four games for the BC Lions in 2022, making 29 completions for 393 yards and two passing touchdowns, with 43 carries for 137 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. He was amassed a total of 1,846 yards passing in six touchdowns, while adding 128 carries for 586 yards and 21 touchdowns over his CFL career. Prior to joining the CFL, Pipkin attended training camp with the Arizona Cardinals. And finally in the news, some good news coming out of Edmonton, as the Elks are getting one of the CFL's top receivers back in the lineup when they visit the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Thursday night. Eugene Lewis is officially returning from a knee injury that has held him out of the club's last six games. He played three contests to start the year and made 11 receptions for 200 yards and one touchdown. 
The two-time CFL All-Star signed with Edmonton this past offseason, becoming the league's highest-paid non-quarterback. Canadian quarterback Trey Ford will make a second consecutive start under center with rookie Jared Dagey dressing as his backup. The former first-round pick threw for 189 yards, one touchdown, and one interception against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this past week and carried the ball five times for 50 yards and a touchdown. So from the Edmonton 32, Brown, he's going to look to the end zone, one-on-one! Oh my goodness! Get out of here, Kenny Lawler! A one-handed special from 89, and the Bombers have their first lead of the ballgame! Week 10 kicked off on Thursday as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers traveled out to Commonwealth to take on the winless Edmonton Elks, and it was those Bombers who actually came from behind and won this one 38-29. Drew Brown came in for relief of Zach Caleros, who was injured early in the game, going 17-24, for 24, 307 yards, 4 touchdowns, and 1 interception. Brady Oliveira had a monster game on the ground with 14 carries and 110 yards as well. And the big receiver for the game was not Kenny Lawler, even though he made that crazy one-headed catch in the end zone. It was Rashid Bailey had five catches for 85 yards. On the other side, Trey Ford in his first start of the season went 12 for 16, only 189 with a touchdown and interception. Kevin Brown had some monster runs in the game, 10 carries for 98 yards and a big touchdown. And Kyron Moore was the big target for Ford, 5 catches, 96 yards and a touchdown. Unfortunately, the winless streak for the Elks continue, and even bigger, unfortunately, at home. Evans with time, deep shot, over the middle perfectly to Austin Mack. His first catch in this game, and it's a big one. It's an Friday night saw the Saskatchewan Rough Riders traveling out to Montreal to take on the Alouettes, which was believed to be Cody Fajardo's return game against the Rough Riders, but he was a late scratch, and it didn't really matter because the Montreal Alouettes ended up taking this one 41-12 over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And bigger note here, there was no weather delay in Montreal this time. Phew! All right, for Saskatchewan, Jake Dolagala came in to replace Mason Fine, who went down with an injury in the second quarter. Dolagala went 11 for, 12, for 20, sorry, for 107 yards and one interception. Jamal Morrow was decent on the ground, 18 carries for 81 yards. And the big receiver for Saskatchewan was Jarrah Stearns, had four catches for 41 yards. For Montreal, it was Caleb Evans coming in for the ruled-out Cody Fajardo. He went 8 for 13, 149 yards, 1 touchdown, 1 interception. Walter Fletcher played in place of William Stanback this week. He had 15 carries for 73 yards. He also had one big catch for 68 yards. But Austin Mack was the star of the game for Caleb Evans. One big catch, as you just heard in the highlight, for 56 yards. Adams wants to throw again, finds some space in the end zone, touchdown, first of the year for Lucky Whitehead, and a 300-yard game for Vernon Adams. On Saturday, we saw a very special game with the Calgary Stampeders heading out to BC Place to take on the Lions, which also saw former Calgary head coach Wally Buono be inducted into the BC Lions Hall of Fame. But it wasn't all happy endings for the Calgary Stampeders as the BC Lions came out on top of this one 37-9 over the Calgary Stampeders. 
Jake Mayer went 17 for 31 with 131 yards only. Kadeem Carey made his big return to the field. He had seven carries for 44 yards, and the only real big target for Jake this game was Mark and Michelle had four catches for 36 yards. On the other side, Vernon Adams Jr., 23 for 32, 322 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Taquan Mizell had 12 catches for 42 yards as well. Keon Hatcher had a huge day, nine catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. Alexander Hollins had a really big one, seven catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. And Lucky Whitehead was able to pull in his first touchdown of the season as well. Chad Kelly on first down. Deep down the right, wide open. Tavares Daniels. Abdul cannot can't catch him. 60-yard touchdown and another connection for a major score between Chad Kelly and Tavares Daniels. On Sunday, it was the Ottawa Red Blacks traveling out to Toronto to BMO Field, where Toronto hasn't played in over six weeks to take on the home Toronto Argonauts. And I don't know how, but Ottawa keeps making these games exciting. I don't know what it is. If it wasn't for the Ottawa secondary, this would have been a much closer game, as the Toronto Argos took this one 44-31 over the visiting Red Blacks. Dustin Crum went 21 for 26, 292 yards and three touchdowns. Devontae Williams had 10 carries on the ground for 47 yards. And Jalen Acklin broke his slump and boy in a big way. Six catches, 157 yards and a touchdown. On the other side, Chad Kelly, 21 for 28, 417 yards in the air. Four touchdowns, one interception. A.J. Oled, who was our guest last week, 14 carries for 90 yards as well. DeVaris Daniels had huge catches, six catches, 180 yards, three touchdowns. Cam Phillips was even involved in the offense, five catches, 115 yards as well. And the Argos really looked unstoppable in this one. That was all for week 10 of the 2023 CFL regular season. We'll be right back, and we'll be chatting with our very special guest, Calgary Stampeders linebacker, Micah Awe. Joining us today is a stud at the linebacker position. He currently leads the league in tackles with 67 after the first 10 weeks. From the Calgary Stampeders, Micah Awe, welcome. Yep, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So how did practice go today? It was good. I think we had a good practice, uh, learned a lot from just different things that we have in stuff like that. So uh, I think the team's ready, focused and ready to go. Nice. So you're originally from Lagos, Nigeria, right? And then you ended up in Arlington, Texas. How did the CFL mm. happen for you? Oh, the CFL happened for me on a, uh, on a huge play, but also a huge uh, mistake. Um, I'm sure some, you can actually look it up. Uh, Ironically, when I was trying to clean out some stuff in the attic um, this last offseason, I ran into one of my playbooks from um, Tampa Bay, and um, I wrote lots of notes, lots of notes. I'm just, like, looking through it. You know, you start remembering things, and I turned to this one page, and it said, Lightning Zero. And I was like, oh, Lightning Zero. That was the play. So, um. I, I got in, it was my first preseason game against the Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and it was the fourth quarter, you know, so I'm like fourth string, whatever. So I finally get in. 
and it's a third and eight or third and nine. And um, I was on a line of scrimmage and lightning zero is a zero blitz. Um, so I come off the left side and suddenly I just saw Carson Wentz and um, I hit him right in his chest and he goes down and it's an incomplete pass and everyone's cheering. You know, I'll go to the sideline. All my teammates are like, oh man, great play, Mike, good this and that. My linebacker coach, Coach Coach Duffner, looks me right in the eye, and he's like, "The running back." I was like, "Coach, what do you?" I was like, "Oh no, I was supposed to actually tail off and cover the running back who was on my side, but I again, I just saw Carson Wentz, I hit him, and next thing I know, next next day on, on um in the breakfast, the quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, and all the other quarterbacks were all like, "Oh, you're just gonna hurt the NFL's baby like that?" I'm like. What? When you talking about NFL baby? I look up, it's on ESPN on NFL Network. Carson Wentz out with a rib fracture injury, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and they just kept playing it over and over and over. And you know, and um, that same day, my agent, you know, texted me and said that you know the DC Lions and um Saskatchewan were like, like interested in signing you, and I was like the BC who and the Saskatchewan who I'm like, what league is this? And he's like, like the CFL. I'm like, what does that stand for? And he's like, Canadian football league. I was like, Oh, so that was my first time I heard about the CFL. Um, and then a year later, basically I was with the BC Lions. All right. Awesome. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's a great story. Uh, it's unfortunate for Wentz, but I mean, he wasn't really that great anyway. So it is what it is. <laughs> No comment on that one. No comment. <laughs> so you spent your first couple of pro seasons in the NFL. How was the adjustment to the Canadian game once you ended up in BC? Yeah, so I just had that one um, preseason basically with Tampa Bay, and I was on practice squad for one week. And then um, I had workouts with other teams in the NFL, and it just, you know, didn't work out. Um, and and essentially in 2017, I just went to BC, you know, you run out of money, you run out of opportunities. And so it's like, all right, let, let's do this whole CFL thing. And um, to me, um, yeah, the, the field was big and um, very, very large. And I remember when I had um, the rookie mini camp that they had me going to um, after the first day, my legs were like, I just finished with track practice. Um, and that usually doesn't happen when you're in shape and stuff um but I was in shape it's just that CFL in shape is a whole different kind of in shape um especially as a linebacker but luckily I played in the big 12 with Texas Tech so I was used to having to run in space and I was used to 95 plays a game on average so um that I think my my college career and playing the big 12 and playing in with the air raid offense it's like the perfect match for um a CF for CFL football, honestly. We just saw Wally Buono get inducted into the BC Lions Hall of Fame. How special was it for you to be there on Saturday? Oh, it was cool. I actually luckily they were just finishing inducting him and I had a chance to go hug him and tell him thank you. I'm like he literally was walking off the stage and I I ran to him and you know hugged him and said, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know. And I, I told Far on this too because I was on half. I was the halftime um, interview, and I really do mean this. Uh, he was a Hall of Fame linebacker and a Hall of Fame coach. So for him to kind of approve me to be a rookie to try out for the team, 
means a lot, especially when you have a guy like Solomon there already and guys like Big Hill um, already that have been there. Um, to me, just just to be in that lineage of linebackers that he he approved to be on his team, um, to try out for his team, I would say, uh, it means a lot to me. And, you know, ever since day one, Coach Wally always has respected me. And I I I do not take that for granted. Um, so it was just really awesome to see him finally, you know, getting the Wall of Fame, which obviously he was going to be there. I was surprised he wasn't. And I was like, what is he getting a reward for? <laughs> I was confused. I was like, <laughs> doesn't he already have this? So no, but it was it was awesome to see him there. I, honestly, I, I you know I, I love him. He's a he's a great guy, and I, I really learned a lot from him my rookie year. So you've played for a couple of CFL teams over your career so far, including you had three separate stints with the BC Lions last year. It was a bit of a weird one because you went there and then you asked for a release shortly after. What led to that? Yeah, they just decided to release me. I mean, I think it was just a matter of um they they couldn't find a spot for me to play and they just know my passion you know like I, I I'm not the kind of guy who wants to get paid and just sit back and be like well I'm getting paid you know like, good for me you know you know it's not you know it's not about that for me for me it's you know I'm playing football because I want to do something with it it's because I wanted to be the best and um it's just again they did that out of just the goodness of their heart and they they decided to release me so I could have opportunity to actually play elsewhere. So um, that's that's really all that a matter happened at the end of the day. And I'm just glad that they were, you know, good enough, like basically gave me a chance to go out there and, and play for eventually Montreal. Some media outlets made it sound more like you wouldn't you wanted out because you weren't going to be a starter now. I met you. I know you. You're a good dude. I knew that wasn't true. That's why I wanted to ask the question. So from you, what was it? Because that's how some of the media outlets made it appear. You know what I mean? I mean, at this point, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter what it was (laughs) at this point. Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, no, but again, it just, it, again, it came down to me and my competitive nature. Like I, I'm just a competitive person. And again, whether or not they saw me as starter or not saw me as starter, I think they saw the value in me as a person and what, you know, how I practice every day and what I wanted to do with my career. And again, at that time, they were just like, Oh, well, I mean, we, we can't just, we can't do anything for you right now. So the Mm. best thing they did was just to release me. So again, I'm, I'm happy it happened that way. Um, If it didn't happen that way, I would find a way for it to work. Mm -hmm. And cause that's just who I am. So again, um, it is what it is. And that's just football. It's it's not even football. That's just the business in football. Yeah. Um, and I wish more people understood that it's not necessarily always a player doesn't want to be there or, or a coach doesn't want a player to be there. It's, sometimes it's just money. It's what's going on. Not even with that player. It's, it's a domino effect of what's going on on the offensive side. It's domino effect of what's going on with a D-line, like you just never know. There's too much money involved for it to pinpoint it down to one person with talent or anything. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, Michael Jordan didn't play all, all of his careers in Chicago. Yep. I, after all of that, you would think you would stay there the whole entire time. Tom, Tom Brady, you mm-hmm. would think there's no way he would ever leave that after 20 years, two decades of playing football for him to go somewhere else. People were like, no, there's no way. Well, there's a way. Yeah. It's it's professional sports. 
Right. And, you know, as, you know, as to your comment about it's not always the player or the coach, BC saw that you're competitive, you deserve a spot somewhere. And it was, a, you know, like you said, it was a, out, of, out of the niceness of their hearts, they let you go and pursue that. That's great. So now you're a member of the Calgary Stampeders. And like I said before, you lead the league in tackles. What made you decide to come to Calgary this year? Oh, man, number one is just opportunity. Um, you know, I, I had a couple of teams I probably could have went to, but at the end of the day, to me, it's it's all about opportunity. And, you know, again, it comes down to what the team needs and what the team wants and then just how you feel about, you know, how they feel about you. And um, I felt like Calgary's always had a respect for me um, since I've been in D.C., just all around the league. They've always kind of been there in uh, every, every offseason. So it wasn't like this was a new, you know, newly talking to them but um at the same time it's it's just opportunity number one it's just opportunity and um I've been watching many linebackers on this defense since I've been in the league my, my first year it was Alex Singleton so I saw how he you know he was able to get defensive player of the year with this essentially the same exact defense um and there's really no difference um so I was you know I, I've watched film on him this year I watched like three full games of him from his um defense MLP um season I watched Thurman he played this whole defense last year so I watched every single game he played um just to know how okay how do they see things you know because you know linebacker is a lot like quarterback it's just sometimes how you look at things you know you know they always say quarterbacks have a certain way of looking you know Aaron Rodgers might look at the same exact defense a different way than Patrick Mahomes um some quarterbacks can just see things and where others can't it's the same thing for linebacker um there there's a lot of things that you can okay I can shoot this gap and you got to know yourself too I think it's the only difference between linebacker and and quarterback is quarterback it's just a matter of what you think and if your arm arm can get you there to what you think with linebacker it's a little different it's a little bit more variables it's what you think how quickly you think it and then how how fast are you? And then sometimes how strong you are, because maybe you need to get off O line and block. So there's a lot more variables. Um, that's why linebacker is it's I, I think it's the hardest position on the field when you incorporate physical and mental. Um, so again, that's why I watch all that film, because uh, it's the same defense. So I, I knew that under this defense I would have a lot of opportunities. Um it's kind of like, you know, I see tackles kind of like um a power forward in basketball like you know Michael Jordan he, he got schemed up to make a lot of a lot of a lot of scores I mean he he's he was the best player but um a tackle is kind of like that you know sometimes you're schemed up to make a tackle but you still have to make it so at the end of the day you know if you're going to be in playmaker you got to be a playmaker so um it's still not easy it's still not easy and I think that's what makes this a fun year because sure I'll I'll run into tackles sometimes or whatever you want to call it but um you still have to make them you still have to make the layups you still have to do that so your technique actually has to be even better because you're going to be more exposed to those opportunities did you change anything in your off-season routine this year to become even faster and stronger because uh, you come out even better than i've seen you in past and there was even that one hit that you just did in bc that i was watching i was like oh my god did you do did you do anything to just be even better? Yeah, I mean I'm it sounds this sounds like a cliche, but um you know, I'm I'm 29 now and 
I'm pretty sure I've, you know, I made the app called Purple Shift. And so I'm always able to like kind of see where I'm at um, athletically. And I was hitting PRs I hadn't hit coming out of college for pro day this, this last off season. Um, and a lot of that has to do with like what I've learned over the years. Um, and a lot of that just has to do with, let me get back to who I am. I'm, I'm a speed linebacker. I'm, I'm really not a linebacker. I'm, I'm a safety playing linebacker who can hit um, and who can cover. So to me, I'm like, man, let me just get back to who I am. Um, and it's, it's not surprising to me though. Um, I had 127 tackles my senior year in college when I finally started. That was my only year I started. Um, so people were surprised that, oh, where does this guy come from? Well, you know, in college, again, football happens, politics and stuff like that. I didn't transfer. I just stuck, stuck with it. And then finally, my senior year, I started the whole season and led the Big 12 in tackles and like number 15 in the country or something like that. Um, so I knew that with this defense, I'd have a lot of opportunities to make tackles. So I'm like, you know what? If I'm playing Mike linebacker, if you can't run away from me, then you, I can make any tackle. So I focused on getting more explosive and faster, and I'm already known for that. So I just focused on doing that even more. Um, and you know, and now it's just finally showing. Like you know, you don't always get a chance to hit someone hard like that in a game, um, because sometimes you gotta just capture them. You know, Solomon Elementian told me that my my rookie year, I was I was on. It was like the third day of practice and there was a play I shot through the backfield it was Jeremiah Johnson and I hit him like five yards deep in the backfield like real hard but then he spun off of me and ended up getting like a one yard gain and this and that and Solly came up to me and was just like Micah remember capture don't kill because you know a five yard <laughs> loss for our team as a defense it, now it's second and 15 it's huge but you know yeah I could have got a big hit but like if it's better to secure the tackle sometimes, but sometimes the stars align and things line up. And then now you're able to use all the power cleans you had in the off season, all the squats, all the sprints. That's what you saw last week. The stars just align, especially against a guy like Mazel, who's pretty shifty. You don't usually get a chance to hit a rabbit <laughs> like that square on, but um, I was able to, so, you know, I, I did, you know, it's funny you say that, but I did focus on getting better. And I actually did hit a lot of my PRs with my vertical and broad jump and, you know, everything I did. So I'm, I'm not surprised again. I'm not surprised, but people might be. <laughs> well, it's great to see. I said in my last episode of the podcast that Calgary has the scariest line linebacker group, including, you know, yourself, Cameron Judge, Titus Wall. You talked about Thurman, how he was there last year. He's gone now. You're, if not better to replace him and you've made that linebacker group even scarier. How is it playing with those guys? Awesome, man. And, and the main reason why it's great playing with them, is because they all want to be great. You know, it's, you know, when you have a, when you have other players who are trying to be Michael Jordan, then you end up having this room full of competition because we're all competing against, you know, Winnipeg, but then we're all competing against each other. Because it's like, all right, well, you know, Cam had an interception that first game. I thought it was awesome. But I'm like, well, shoot, I, I need an interception. So I'm doing everything in practice to make sure my details are on point to get an interception. Because I'm, I'm seeing Cam and he works hard. He studies film and he knows when his opportunities are coming. So I took that and said, okay, well, he has certain opportunities. I have certain opportunities. How do I get mine? And same thing with Titus. I mean, he, he's a young player, but I told him um, last year, 
I said, man, I, I told them this morning, I said, when I saw you um, on a short yardage, strip the running back and take it or strip the quarterback and take it in for a touchdown, I was jealous because I was like, that's so simple. He wasn't down. You saw the ball, you took it and you ran it in. And I said, since that day, I knew what kind of player you were. And, you know, I talked to him now and, you know, we're always trying to feed off each other. And um, one thing I learned when I was in Toronto from Coach Chamberlain was um, bad players don't learn from their own mistakes. Good players learn from other people's mistakes. Um, great players learn from, um, let me get this right. Great players learn learn from other, I guess the great players learn from other people's mistakes, but the the really, really good players learn what other people do well and apply it to their skills. And, um, and, and that's one thing I've always like, since I heard that I'll always take in. So I saw Titus do that. I'm like, I have to have a play like that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to eventually have a play where I see the ball. I'm going to take it. And I'm going to take it for a touchdown because he's not down on the ground. It's just kind of like common sense, but it's all about doing it. But now that you showed me how to do it, I know I can do it because you did it. So, um, you know, that's that's why I love this linebacker core because um, we're just hard workers. It's, there's nothing special about what, what we're doing. There's nothing special about being special. It's just hard work. Is there ever any animosity when you play against a team? And, you know, for example, like Mizell, right? You just completely laid them out. Next season, for example, you and Mizell are playing on the same team together. Does is there ever any animosity that carries over from a previous season with a previous team to now you work together kind of thing? I guess I would know if anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would know if all the people in the CFL would be number one. No, there's not. I mean, for example, um, as soon as I signed the first person um, when Calgary posted, the first person from the team to say something was Reggie Bagleton. Um, and he's like, ah, oh, and he literally, I think in quotation, he says, our paths crossed again. And <laughs> most people don't know what that means. I knew exactly what he meant immediately. Um, when I was in Toronto, I had the biggest play of the year was when they tried to throw a slant to Reggie. I think it was, uh, it might've been, um, Arbuckle tried to throw a slant to Reggie and I came across the middle and hit him, um, and knocked the ball out <laughs> and, you would think, you know, and that's why I love Reggie because he's a tough guy. He's from Texas. He's a Texas guy, obviously. His first thing is like, thank goodness we're on the same team. <laughs> so even though I smacked him and did all of that, you know, there was no trash talk or anything. And he, in fact, later on in the game, he was like, hey, good lit. So I, that's why I knew he was competitive. So in football, like for me, I don't take things personally. Like if you say something that's supposed to be personal, I, I don't care because I'm like, I'm on a football field. If I, I'm going to hit you next place. So I just re- don't recommend it. And I'm not going to say anything that's personal towards you. Cause I, you know, if I don't know you, I'm not going to say anything. If I do know you, I'm not going to say anything personally anyways. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, you're on the team to win. And um, that's, that's just the nature of football, especially our league. It's such a small league that essentially you're going to play with someone. Like we just signed Shaq Richardson. Have I played with him? Yep. <laughs> so it's like, it's just, it's full circle. You mentioned Coach Chamberlain in Toronto a few minutes ago. Right now, you're under Coach Munson, and he's the defensive coordinator in Calgary. How different is the system in Calgary compared to some of your other teams in uh, past years? Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's Again, it's it's pretty different. Um, obviously, you do some, some of the things are just common things that you do in the CFL, but 
the main thing with this defense um, that that I like is it's it's more of a run and hit defense. You know, it's not too much thinking, especially from my standpoint. Um, we are doing a lot, and we can we we can do a lot. But at the end of the day, it's just up to me running the ball. Um, you know, ironically, in my high school, my high school my high school defense was pretty pretty similar. We you know four man rush. I never blitzed, so I didn't learn how to blitz until I got in college. But I had like 16 tackle for losses because I just learned how to read the O-line that quickly. But now it's just kind of the same thing. It's like, hey, just four-man rush. You have Mike Rose, Mike Moore, um, all our guys, you know, Hauser, rush to the passer, and then just run, <laughs> run fast. So, you know, Cam is one of the fastest linebackers out there, fastest defensive players, if not. I think I'm pretty fast, and um, I think that's scary whenever you have two guys in the middle of the defense that can hunt down any of your offensive players. Um, because at the end of the day, CFL, hey, it's an offensive game. <laughs> they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make some plays, but it's all about how often are they gonna get hit. Um, and that's what this defense does: is that we're gonna run and hit to the very last whistle, no matter what. And Coach Monston, from day one in training camp. It's always been run to the ball, run to the ball. And again, this defense has been special for a lot of years. Um, but again, what there's nothing special about being special. The only thing special is just running to the ball. So um that that's probably what a, that's probably the biggest difference on this defense. So obviously right now the record isn't what you were hoping for at this point in the season. What's the overall vibe like in the locker room right now? Yeah, it's it's just steadfast. Um it's a lot of guys in this locker room who won it all, who've won a lot. Um, and then there's a, a lot of guys who, even when the years they won a lot, it started like this. <laughs> um, but no one remembers that. They just remember, they remember the 12 and six record. They remember the winning record. And at the end of the year, let's say we're, we have a really good record. I guarantee no one's going to remember the beginning and how bad we were. They're just going to remember how we how we finished so right now you know we we've had a rough start but again it's all about getting better you know if we had rough starts and we weren't getting better I'd be nervous right now I really would um we went on like a three-game skid where I wasn't nervous because we were getting better we just we weren't putting it together and winning but I was like hey but we are getting better and then when we played Toronto it finally came back together and then last week it fell apart again, but that's part of the learning process for this team. I, I you know, it's again, as, as long as it's a learning process and it's not just a loss and you just say we lost the game and no one, then that's scary. But right now, you know, us beating the best team in the league and then facing another really good team in the league and getting whooped by them, it kind of tells you where we're at as a team maturity wise. Mm -hmm. So this next game is going to be, it's going to be huge to see, okay, how do we react to that? We, we know we have the talent to beat Toronto, um, but do we have the fortitude to beat Winnipeg and all the, um, all the good teams and really not even good teams? Because what's a good team in a CFL? Ottawa's doing well. Everyone's doing well. Even Edmonton, it was up 22-0. Mm -hmm. So to me, every team you play against is a good team and any team is beatable. But what's going to be the difference? It's going to be all up here. So, and I think we're, we're getting a lot of lessons learn right now um and that's i'd rather this beginning because when it comes to playoffs comes to to the gray cup you want to have been 
through something. You don't want to just have a clean year where everything went your way and then suddenly you're down 22-0 halftime in a great cup. Yeah. So if any if anything, these these could be really valuable moments. Al Pacino said it on any given Sunday, right? So you've you've got the, you know the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are coming into your house this week, McMahon Stadium. How do you block out a lot of that noise that's happening and just prepare and focus for that battle with the Bombers? Oh man, it's 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 actually it's not. I, I've been I've been in a situation two three times already. Um, 2018 BC Lions and I came back from the Jets. We were three and six, ended up going to playoffs last year in Montreal. We actually were, I think, three and seven or two and five, and then we lost to Edmonton, who at the time wasn't very good. Then, but then end up winning like six, seven in a row and going to, to the Eastern Finals, and barely losing that game to Hamilton or uh, to uh, Toronto, who end up being the Grey Cup champions. So I, just this last year, I was on a team who wasn't very good, but you know one thing I do remember is just the work you put in it. And again, it sounds so mundane and so uh, just, it sounds like, oh, he's just talking. He's just talking. If they did a HBO hard knocks of the hours spent after practice when you're in two and five and then, then just show the end of the season and just show that every day, it'd be a pretty boring hard knocks. But then you start to say, oh, wow, they, they won again. Okay. They won again. They won again. Oh, okay. They won again. Oh, now they're in the they're now they're in the semifinal. Oh, now they're in the Eastern Finals. But you just see keep seeing that same work. You're like, oh, it's not really. It, it's he's he's right. It's, it really is Mudane, but like it works. So it's the same thing that has to happen here. I mean, I know people are freaking out. Oh my gosh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Maybe we can't. But one thing about this team is that we're just going to keep working, and especially with Coach Dickinson. Um, you, you got to realize a lot of teams are kind of their head coach kind of shows you what kind of team you are. I mean, if you look at coach Dickinson's career and I, I, I don't know that much about it, but I, what I do know is that he had to compete his entire career. And I could tell by the way he, he coaches the way he played. And that's how I feel. I mean, I feel the same way. Like I always have to keep proving myself, keep proving myself. So there's nothing new to him you know, win or loss, he's, he's trying to win every game and he's trying to prove a point every single game. So we're going to keep doing that because coach Dickinson, he, he, he has that fire. We're going to keep showing that fire. And like you said, you know, the really good championship teams are battle tested, right? If they come out, like, for example, look at the undefeated Patriots, right? They oh, didn't, yeah. they didn't finish undefeated, did they? They lost to the Giants yeah. in the Super Bowl. It's, you know, along, that's basically like what you're saying, right? Like those battle-tested teams are what really show it. And we're at the midway point of the season now. Looking back through your eyes, positive or negative, what have you seen so far in that first 10 weeks? Again, I saw, I, I just saw, I saw constant growth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so hard and, Pro, pro football or to explain to people who aren't watching film every every week or every play to be like no we're getting better it's, it's a loss because you know people see wins or losses but that's the thing that I've, I've realized is that you just just keep getting better you just keep getting better and eventually you you get to a point to where your one percent better overlaps other teams that don't they haven't learned how to keep getting better so maybe right. things have been going well for them 
Um, and, and that's really the difference. Um, sure, you want to go 18-0. That's, that's every team's dream. But is that really the dream? No, the, the real dream is to win the Grey Cup. Because you can go 18-0 and not win the Grey Cup. So if someone, you know, if the Houdini or whoever you want to believe in God told you, like, hey, your guys are going to have to be pretty bad in the beginning of the season, barely get in the playoffs, but you're going to win the Grey Cup, you would take that. Of course you would. Or would you take or would you take the 18 0? No. No, you wouldn't take the 18 0. No. no one it, it, that's that's fancy. It looks good, but you're like, wait, I can take the 18 0 with no gray cup, or I can take the three and six with the gray cup? Three oh. and six. <laughs> three and six, right? So so people people they act like, you know, that's not the that's that's not what happens sometimes. But um the truth is is like it's just work because you learn so much through those six losses. Yeah. that you can never learn through a win, six wins. And and some of those losses were overtime losses. Like people people forget. I actually both of them were no no. It was was it both of them were yeah, overtime losses? Yeah. Yeah. So to have two overtime losses, all I'm saying is that if we have a third overtime and it happens to be in Grey Cup, I don't think the team we play would have two overtime losses. Yeah. So that's a resume that we'd be like, oh, we're we're actually pretty comfortable in this situation. So yeah. again, it's it's things like that that um makes it pretty positive. Yeah, yeah, the overtime loss to Saskatchewan. They, they were actually mm-hmm. both at home too, because then right. you had the whole Dustin Crumb's whole miracle right, thing that, that's going that, on right now, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, well, you know, there's issues in Edmonton, obviously. There's now more issues coming up in Saskatchewan. Trevor Harris is gone. Mason Fine is now gone. Injuries galore. What do you see happening now for the rest of the season for the Calgary Stampeders where this uh, this playoff is actually attainable? I mean, the way I see it, the, the cool part about the CFL is even the team is five, six games ahead of you. If you haven't played them yet, it doesn't matter. So the fact that we still have a lot of games at hand with people who are ahead of us and behind us, that's it can change a lot. So um again, I've been here before with the whole three and six thing and everyone the, the sky is falling. Well, the sky is not falling. As long as we're we're alive, we're here to breathe and we have another opportunity. I'm okay with that. And again, if you just look at the roster, I mean it. it Coaches, they're there to coach. They're going to coach us up. But you see the players we have. We just got Shaq Richardson, Mark and Michael, Reggie Bagleton. Oh, man, we Tommy Lee. And I'm talking about just offensive guys. The whole O-line. Jake, it's all there. It's all there. It just needs to all come together. You know, when you, when you cook something really good, you know, when you do the crock pot, you don't turn the crock pot on for five minutes and say, oh, it's not hot. It's not working. No, you have to turn it on high, you put all your stuff in there. It's not all ready right away. You just, you let it sit. And then two hours later you come back. Oh, it's, it's warm. It's not even hot. It's still warm. Okay. But then four hours later, oh, okay. It's hot Four more hours later. Okay. Now everything comes together. So, and, and it's going to be a really good meal. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, so it's better than fast food guaranteed. So um, that's the same thing with the team. Sometimes it's like as long as you have the right ingredients, you just just let it cook. Let 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 it cook. Let them cook. Just let them cook. Let them cook. Let them keep cooking. As long as you have the right ingredients, and what I mean by that is, you as long as you have guys who are willing to work when 
things aren't going their way. That's what you want at the end of the day. I, I, I think I think if we end up having an opportunity to go to Grey Cup, I think the Calgary fans after this kind of season would be way more confident than winning because, like, man, they've been through it and they got here. These guys aren't losing. Yeah. That's what kind of team you have right now in preparation. That's what kind of ingredients you have right now. So um, to me, if I'm a fan – I'm just saying, tell all my buddies, if they get in that great cup after this season, think about it. Because yep. like you said earlier, a team that's 9-0 and right now and get in the great cup, you're almost thinking the opposite. Like, yep. what, if, what if they lose this one? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been really good, but what if they lose this one? Our team, it's like, man, they, they scratched to get there. So um, we got to keep scratching yep. until we get there. Awesome. Micah, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know it's a busy time getting ready for Winnipeg, but you took the time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Great seeing you again. Great talking to you again. It's been a minute, and I can't wait to see the way that you guys scratch into the playoffs this year. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate you. That was our conversation with linebacker from the Calgary Stampeders, Micah Alway, and such a good dude to talk to. Week 11 kicks off this week on Thursday with the winless Edmonton Elks going out to Hamilton to take on the Tiger Cats. I am going to be picking Hamilton on this one. It was really close. I almost took Edmonton, but I still don't think that there's enough going on. And I kind of feel like maybe the noise happening from the front office is going to affect the field play a little bit. On Friday, we've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on Micah Alway and the Calgary Stampeders. As much as I want to see Calgary win this one, I'm still going to be going with Winnipeg. I think even with Zach Caleros being out of the game, Brown is one heck of a quarterback. It's going to be a duel for sure, but I think that Calgary is not going to be able to come out on top on this one. On Saturday, the Montreal Alouettes head out to Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks. No surprise, unfortunately. I think the crumbacks are kind of over now at this point. The defenses have figured them out, and I think the Montreal Alouettes should be able to take control of this one and win. And then finally on Sunday, we've got the BC Lions heading out to Saskatchewan to take on the Rough Riders. No shocker here. BC Lions all the way. There's a new amount of problems coming out in Saskatchewan now with quarterback and receiver and a whole bunch of other issues. BC's got it together. They've tightened up their game, and it will be the Lions taking this one for sure. That is it for us this week. You can always find us on Instagram, X, and Threads at Around the CFL Podcast. And you can also listen on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Twitter, Google, Pandora, iHeart, or anywhere else to get your podcasts from. And please go ahead and give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying what we're doing. Well, that is it for us this week, and we'll see you later. 